Hello and welcome back to the F24 podcast. My name is David and in what were normal times, I invited creatives over to my studio in North Acton to have a conversation about their lives and interactions with London, culture and creativity. But we're what, five weeks into this worldwide lockdown? The maddest time of most of our lives and so I'm home like the rest of you, I'm sure, and decided to make this thing worldwide. I'm sat here in my garden on a Saturday morning, the sun's out. I hope you're all well and safe. I know the numbers we're seeing daily worldwide are crazy, quite overwhelming. But one thing is for sure, is that we've shown how much we can do for each other, not what they can do for us. We've stood up, we've looked out for each other and we've helped where possible. And that's love, man, that's love on a massive scale. And that's gonna do some dope stuff for us in the future, so let's keep this up. This week, well, last week, I had a conversation with New Zealand graffiti stalwart Vents from the RTR crew from Auckland. We had a dope chat. Me, kind of chatting into the future as he's 13 hours ahead, and we cover loads. What it was like where he grew up, what kind of graffiti he saw coming up, and his first feelings of notoriety when he placed his first words on a wall. We talk about his route into painting, when the right time arose and the commitment he put into it, and he tells us about some brilliant New Zealand history, the crews and paintings that were about, the names he started with, travelling, and a story about London's very own mean PFB. It was a dope chat, a real privilege. This is some events RTR's Auckland culture and creativity story. Check him out at sub underscore atomic on Instagram whilst you listen. That's at sub underscore a-u-t-o-m-i-c whilst you listen. Enjoy. This is F24. They're just, yeah, I'm actually, in, this is the home office at the moment, but it's usually the kids' playroom and they're just across the hall. They've nice. been, uh, yeah, marauding a bit tonight, but... um. Yeah, it's quiet now, so I think they've dozed off. What a fucking mad time, man. So they're at home then, no no school, obviously. Um, yeah, it's a kind of a homeschool situation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, um, they brought the, that's kind of like end of term, sort of Easter holidays for two weeks. Okay. Um, had the lockdown, so normally they'd be on holiday now, but... Yeah. Um, I brought it forward and it's just finished. Um, so, yeah, it's basically remote learning, um, kind of iPad activities and that sort of thing. Um, for the foreseeable future as well for you lot? Um, yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, we're basically on a four-week kind of trial. Okay. Um, level four, which is the highest kind of alert of lockdown. Everything basically is shut aside from essential services yeah schools are closed um remote learning um we're all kind of working from home and yeah my wife just went and picked up an ipad for my parents today so that the kids can do some of that stuff but yeah it's kind of tricky they're seven and five so they're reading and writing and stuff is at different levels and i'm you know here working and she's trying to kind of conduct lessons and yeah it's not ideal but i'm just gonna try and Keep everybody safe and be sensible. Crazy, uh, isn't it, man? Fucking yeah. time. Yeah. So I think I think in a, about a week um, they're going to assess the situation, how successful it's been. Um, at the moment, it looks like yeah, we got it early. I think the number of um, new cases is dropping daily, um, and uh, yeah, it'll yeah, it looks like it's kind of under control. Mm. Uh, but, you know, it's going to drop down to to level, you know, if it does, it'll drop down to level three. Yeah. Um, and then that 
that still means a whole lot of restrictions. So it's not like at the end of the month we're in the clear and we're back to normal. You know, who who knows how long it's going to go. So always going to come. Out. What's been interesting is seeing the uh, the women who lead countries around the world. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are keeping the numbers low. <laughs> it's the men around the world. <laughs> <We're> not, <laughs> fuck. Every single country that's run by women is doing quite well. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, from what I gather from, um, you know, international media and that, um, yeah, they're, they're praising the work that Jacinda Ardern has been doing, you know, saying, yeah, it's it's sensible, the, you know, the financial ramifications are, are tough, but had we not acted when we did, it could have been a lot worse. Um, yeah. So, yeah, most people seem to be pretty on board with it. Yeah. Yeah. I was... I've got to admit, I, you know, I was trying to do the sensible thing, but kind of pushing the the boundaries of, you know, what you can do as far as, um, you know, they say you can go out and do some exercise and stuff. So I was um, having a couple of games of tennis with a friend of mine. I think we got we got to the third game and then the cops rolled up and was like, oh, you can't be doing it, guys. And we're like, ah, oh, yeah, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I've been... Yeah, starting to get cabin fever now. Yeah, I live on a boat. That's my little porthole. All right, in my bedroom. Yeah, um, and so I, I've got a mooring. So luckily, I live just out of London. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a lot of open space around me, and live on the canal as well. So I take advantage yeah. of that. You know, I'm outside all the time anyway, and so mm-hmm. a bike ride down to a disused wall. I've done a couple yep. of paintings, which has been wicked. <laughs> I've taken yeah. a bit of advantage, but very carefully. But only because I don't have to see anyone. Being on a mm. canal is so dead. Very lucky, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've kind of wanted to, you know, I've sort of thought, oh, yeah, I could go sneak in a piece. And, you know, I mean, if you're on Instagram, you see all these people in countries that are kind of supposed to be in on lockdown. Yeah. And, social distancing and it's like well your mate's piece is right next to yours so you know you might be keeping away from other people but you know I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at it but I just yeah there's there's kind of a vibe like unless you're doing exercise or getting groceries you don't really have a good reason to be out so no, I mean uh, I feel you know I've been justifying myself to my partner and my girlfriend like you know the, the fact that we live out here where there's no one about and I can ride 20 minutes down the canal to like a, a little waste ground where there's a wall that I can paint. It's um, it's a liberty that I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm kind of trying to take advantage of my situation. I wouldn't do it if I lived in the city. I'd yeah. feel too scared. Um, but look, you know, that's me excusing myself. I'm obviously feeling slightly guilty because I wouldn't come with an excuse for one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I do live out in the in the sticks, so I, I'm I'm quite lucky out here. My studio's in town, and I've missed it for a month, but um, so be it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad to have got this time with you, man. I've been following you for years. I don't press many buttons on Instagram, um, mm. but because um, I don't like interacting with it too much, I use it, but I don't interact on it too much. But I've been following you for years, and um, yeah, I thought wicked, man. I've got to reach out to him and see if he's up for this chat while we're all sat down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like I, yeah. I'm, I'm honoured, man. I really appreciate it. I mean, um, you know, some of the the other names that you've had on there are, you know, pretty pretty big, serious kind of dudes. You know, I don't really kind of um, 
consider myself, you know, at, at that level. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting to get perspective from somebody from a different part of the world. And, you yeah. know, we've, we've kind of always kept our, um, kept our story kind of quite close to our chests. You know, we, you know, I, I generally kind of shy away from this kind of thing, but, um, yeah, sort of listening to some of the other ones that, yeah, I think you, you know, you get really deep and it's not just all about the kind of graffiti fanfare type stuff. Um, I don't need to know your favorite color and your best taste, you know, which is cool, but I don't, that's not what I'm trying to do. As I mean, as you might've picked up the, I think the point is, is that we found something as kids, which Mm. has just kept our sanity all these years, you know, it's helped keep our sanity dealing with real life. And uh, that, that's kind of the arc of the story is like, how did we do that? Mm-hmm. whether we became kings or not I never became a king you know what I mean I've, I've done good in business like I've done well for the business world here but I didn't do anything king wise in graffiti I just played the game and yeah um, yeah that, that's that's kind of the story man and I mean look to be honest though you, you say you're not such a big shot I've been following you for years I think you're massive I love your pieces yeah. style done and then when you said to me the other day what you wrote previously I was like fucking hell mind blown like I didn't know yeah. that <laughs> So, um, yeah, it was wicked to, to get you on. I actually met um, Askew years ago, maybe 06 when he came to the UK. Yeah. Um, so I met a couple of the TMD boys, which was lovely. Um, yeah. I haven't chatted to him in years. But, um, yeah, I've been watching yeah, your he, stuff. We all go way back, yeah. He's, um, yeah. You know, he lives in New York now, but he's actually back here again at the moment. So, yeah, I've kind of been chatting to him a bit. Um, I didn't know he'd gone to New York, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's been there for a while. Uh, I think, you know, it was kind of, um, he'd sort of planned to make that move for a long time and, you know, there's been a lot of hoops to jump through on that. But, yeah, he's he's married to an American woman now. Um, yeah, they're based in New York. But, I mean, he's he's basically a man of the world. You know, he sort of goes where work goes and I think he was back here for another job and then the, the kind of lockdown happened and he sort of had to stay put so he's um yeah he's back staying with his parents at the moment with his mum so what where where are you from then where where are you from in New Zealand um from Auckland yeah um, Auckland yeah yeah um yeah I grew up in in Ponsonby which is a pretty sort of central suburb um yeah, we can go into that a little bit. Yeah, how big? But, um, but yeah, I'm basically basically in the same, practically in the same neighbourhood I grew up in. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. It feels like quite a privilege, you know. It's um, yeah. I've, I've kind of yeah, I was very very fond of my childhood, and um, you know, sort of want to be able to raise my kids to sort of have some of the same experiences as yeah. I did growing up. But, you know, the reality is most people can't, you know, can't really no. afford to do that. You know, places get gentrified and, um, you know, situations change. But, um, yeah, yeah, I feel very, very deeply rooted in my in my hood, you know. I'm quite, quite proud of that, you know, my background and that. Amazing. So when did you grow up around there? Was this the 80s? Um, yeah, yeah, I was, I was born in 78. Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely a child of the 80s. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was, there was what a was fair bit. Sorry. So when you first started going outside your house, like being playing out, 
Like, yeah. what, what was what was it like around there? Not in terms of graffiti, but just like the feel of the area. Like, is it family uh, Lots of kids. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Um, it's an area called um, Ponsonby, which is um, sort of two, three k's away from the CBD. Um, so yeah, it's quite a central sort of suburb. Um, and my parents kind of bought there because it was one of the, at the time it was considered one of the kind of affordable, um, areas that were close to the city, um, was quite kind of working class at the time, but it's massively gentrified now. Um, even though a lot of the houses and the architecture are, um, still pretty similar, a lot of them are actually, um, like, protected by the historic places trust so you know heritage type houses there are a lot of kind of villas villas and bungalows that kind of style of housing um but yeah it used to be quite affordable and now it's now it's a kind of a um sort of two million dollar average Ooh. sort of suburb so even the really run down houses the um the land is just so valuable you just got developers just come snap snap up complete complete dives and just bowl them over and yeah. if they you know if they're not protected um the working class neighborhood more when you were younger yeah yeah it definitely had a different feel i mean for anybody that probably comes to auckland they will sort of know about ponsonby it's um you know it's got all the kind of restaurants cafes bars and you know, retail and all that, it's, you know, the main road is sort of where everybody kind of goes to hang out. Um, but, yeah, um, back then there used to be, you know, a lot more kind of antique shops and kind of bric-a-brac and, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty working class. I mean, I don't want to say it was it was rough, but it was... No, I don't was, mean, like a normal blue-collar neighbourhood. Yeah, you know, it was it was tough at times growing up. You know, I, I certainly felt like I, um, you know, I sort of grew up kind of streetwise. You know, had to sort of watch your back in that. I mean, um, yeah, you know, not not as tough as other areas, but it's yeah. certainly, you know, nowadays it's all kids walking around with smartphones and iPads and and you know, flash trainers and stuff and. It's like back then, you just get rolled for that shit, you know. So we stood out. The flash trainers were one in a million, and so yeah. those people stood out exactly. Whereas nowadays, everyone's got them. So it's a different yeah. world we Yeah. So uh, yeah. How did you find your culture? Like, how did you find graffiti? What was the route to that? Um. Yeah, I think there was kind of a few things that kind of kind of point to that. Um. Yeah, as I said, there was there was a little bit of graph in the area at the time. I don't know if you recall the um, some of the stuff from um, spray can art, which, you know, um, That's right, it was, yeah. Yeah, so after Subway art, spray can art kind of... Um, and there was a section, wasn't there? The, the sort of spread of graffiti throughout the world. And, um, yeah, I don't know if you remember, but some of the um, New Zealand stuff was, was quite kind of advanced for what it was and compared to some of the other countries... Um, and yeah, some of those guys were kind of based in the central sort of area. So yeah, sort of saw, saw a bit around. Um, yeah, there was that. I, um, I mean the whole kind of music, um, you know, hip hop, break dancing, that was all kind of going on even at primary school. Um, 
So, you know, being being sort of seven or eight didn't mean that we were too young to be kind of um, for that stuff to have made an impression on us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember breaking at my school disco when I was about that age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, the school that I went to, Ponsonby Primary, was um, a lot more multicultural, you know, a lot more diverse back then. And like a lot of the Māori kids, um, you know, they used to, it used to be called the bop, apparently. I think, apparently, I've heard um, it was like, you know, the move popping, but apparently the way that they pronounced it here was, I'll oh, do the bop. Um, so, yeah, but there was, you know, there was Māori kids, they wore their, um, you know, shorts over top of the track pants, T-shirt over the hoodie, um, pants tucked into the socks. I mean, there was, you know, it, it had a whole kind Fine. of look. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, kind of another point of interest is um, parent, a friend of my parents who lived across the road from us, he was a journalist, and he actually wrote a book um, at the time called Street Action Aotearoa, okay. and was basically um, covered the kind of the hip-hop subculture um, that existed here, which covered, you know, graffiti and breakdancing and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a good a good read if you can get your hands on it. It's pretty kind of rare. But, um, but yeah, that was going on. And then I had another friend. Um, this is also at primary school. He had, he had Subway Art. Um, so even though I was kind of too young to kind of put any of that stuff into action, um, it certainly made an impression on me um yeah yeah mad do you remember like do you remember what it was that was the ceiling point for you to say i'm gonna try it now do you remember did you see something that was just like uh, or i'm at an age or my mates are ready do you remember that Um, first time yeah it's funny because it was a long it was a long time before i actually you know, it was, I didn't actually start kind of painting pieces until the end of high school. So we're talking a, you know, um, sort of, yeah, probably yeah. longer than 10 years really. But, um, um, yeah, like, I mean, I grew up in a very kind of artistic household. My father was um, the curator of foreign arts for the Auckland City Art Gallery, which is basically kind of like the National Gallery. So, um I mean, aside from graffiti, I, I kind of grew up around the sort of art fraternity, you know, all, all their friends are, you know, potters and musicians and poets and that sort of thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, I actually met quite a lot of, um, you know, well-established international artists because my dad brought them over for exhibitions and that. So um, That must have been such, without maybe without realising, such an eye-opener. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. The, the thing is, it was just, um, it was just quite normal to me. You know, we didn't really know. You know, doctors and lawyers. It's just sort of like all the people that I kind of the adults that I associated when I was with when I was younger um, were all kind of in the creative industries. And you know, my my dad kind of being um, an art curator and a sort of a part time artist as well. Um, I sort of felt like that path was kind of paved for me. Um, you know, I, you know, my mum was always encouraging of kind of doing arts and crafts and I sort of, 
you know, focused on those types of subjects at school and that as well. So, um, so yeah. you had it in your art, art was a thing that you, an artist was something you were going to be like it, to some to some extent. Yeah, yeah, in, in some form or another. Yeah, yeah. But um, and then did you see? Did you see graffiti then as form? Like as like I know all these artists, and my dad knows all these artists, but none of them are doing this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Funnily enough, my dad was kind of a little bit kind of conservative, I think, because he was um, he was in the kind of upper echelons of the sort of art world. Um, you know, uh, graffiti was kind of considered, a, you know, to him a sort of a um, you know lowbrow kind of not not serious kind of gallery art. Um, so yeah, but. Um, yeah, I mean, just coming back to, like, the book, you know, that my friend had, Subway Art, um, yeah, I just remember seeing, you know, probably mainly the characters, like, uh, you know, they painted, like, you know, recognisable characters, Mickey Mouse and stuff, and I was like, man, these guys are doing it on a train and spray paint, and it looks exactly how it's supposed to look, you know, I didn't kind of see any of the imperfections or anything. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just... It was just kind of around in the neighbourhood. Um, there was a bit of kind of um, like patch gang graffiti as well. Like, um, you know, we've got gangs like, you know, back then the Mongrel Mob and Black Power and they used to basically do, um, you know, like paint their logos, you know, like one-liner right. things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was definitely around. And then, yeah, I think... I've always kind of had quite a mischievous kind of side to me. So um, I think part of it, you know, the mystery and just kind of um, that it was kind of a forbidden kind of thing was enough to kind of attract me to kind of get into it. And, you know, I kind of mucked around with, you know, doing tags and stuff from such a young age. I didn't really even know what I was doing, but it was just, you know, you know, just skating and doing that sort of thing. It was just yeah. kind of the deal, yeah. They're funny early years, aren't they, man? Because it's quite hard to explain what you're going through when you find it and it becomes that thing. And mm. uh, I loved art. I've been an artist since I was, you know, my mum's got my drawings when I was two or something. Like, uh, art was always going to be my thing. But finding graffiti and then obviously not doing it and doing it well at all just that you know if you found a pentel pen and you wrote on a tree because <laughs> you didn't know what to write on but you were just like this is there's something here there's something there's something different here and there's there's a whole world which and i suppose we're quite a similar age they hadn't not much had been explored we had a couple of books videos started to come out slowly and magazines started to come out slowly but there wasn't yeah there was there was no one like your dad you know representing this art world in that sense, especially where you were and where I was, maybe in America, but yeah. not in our home countries. So, um, yeah, exciting times, man, exciting times. So did you meet more writers in school as you went, as you went into high school? Um, yeah, like, um, yeah, so, like, me and Askew were at school together, well, um, as well as a couple of other writers. We had um, Sands, who is pretty well-established, um, train rider or that's kind of what was his forte and another guy gasp and that so yeah there was kind of a bunch a bunch of us but um, we weren't we weren't trying to do pieces at school or anything um, 
funnily enough, me and uh, me and Askew actually had a rap group for a little while at high school. Um, so that's kind of yeah, we sort of did a bit, you know, bit of freestyling <laughs> and that sort of thing, and then brilliant. You know, um, Askew always kind of had this talent for kind of everything that he sort of tried his hand at, and um, yeah, he was he was a pretty good rapper, and um, and then. Yeah, we just sort of started getting into tagging and sort of put the put the rap thing down um, and sort of started doing graph. But yeah, just another thing that I was, I was going to mention. Also, I yeah, I grew up across the road from um, this guy Ollie, who uh, he eventually started a rap group as well with uh, Zane Lowe. I'm sure I've seen Zane rapping. Wasn't Zane in a thing as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So long before the, um, you know, BBC Radio One and Apple, yeah. and that, when he was based in New Zealand, him and Ollie Green had a had a group called Urban Disturbance. Um, right. Yeah. Just I got to credit this guy Ollie because he was a couple of years older. He lived across the road from me, but he was he was always the first to kind of know about you know everything that everything cool that was going on. You know the gears. Um, you know, rap. Uh, I think, yeah, I think because of him, the first tape I ever got was um, "Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back" by Public Enemy. That was like that was like ninety one, so I was like ten no. at the time. Um, but yeah, so he was always kind of um, played quite an influence on on us. Yeah, and then at high school, um, I kind of got a bit of a reputation for being the sort of go to guy for everything that was new and cool with hip hop. I've got a sister who was, um, who's 10 years older than me and she left home when she was 17, moved to London. She she used to, um, she used to record videos of Yo MTV raps and send them back to me. Amazing. What a hookup. Yeah. yeah, So, you know, cause back then we only had kind of, um, the local radio and it wasn't, you know, local, um, music videos and they weren't really covering any of that hip hop other than the mainstream stuff. Yeah. And she used to send me all these really underground videos and then, you know, people used to come around my house just to watch, um, you know, music videos of Gangstar and, you know, KRS-One. Or, oh, dope, man. Yeah, whatever. So, um, so yeah, I kind of had that, had that reputation at high school as being, being that guy who was always up with that sort of stuff. That's yeah. amazing, and yeah. that puts up credibility, and you know, gives you a platform to move on as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It meant a lot, sort of back then, you know. So, yeah, bet, um, bet, man. big yeah. props to your sister, man. Yeah. Yeah. Good sibling work right there. Yeah, she's always been. She's always been good like that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I mean, as as far as kind of graffiti goes, I mean, I think for 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 us getting into it, it was never initially about pushing the art form or trying to even be good at pieces. It was just, I think the same for a lot of people kind of at that time, everybody sort of had a tag whether they were serious about it or not. And it was just kind of an extension of the sort of party vibe, really, you know, you'd go out on the weekends, you get drunk um, and then you'd sort of stagger home, just tagging on everything along the way. Yeah. We used to have this, um, the shop called Jeff's Emporium that sold these uh, little touch-up cans. Is a I'm not sure if you're familiar. There's a 
brand called Power Plus. I think it's an Australian brand. It was actually really nice paint, but this place used to sell them for two two fifty a can. Um, so, like on Fridays, we'd go there after school. Yeah, and get a color and a dark color, and for five bucks, and then you could walk home. And then with a light and a dark, you could pretty much hit any surface. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah, that was that really kind of like again, just kind of coming back to the mischief aspect yeah. of it that was you know that was before we were anybody was when i say anybody anybody in our circle was thinking about trying yeah. to do pieces like that was too much pain it was too much work and um how do you yeah get that pain? Where, yeah do you know what i mean how do you yeah. get that paint how do you design that thing like yeah. we don't even know that yet were you yeah. looking at locals though were you looking at those older writers as well like were you admiring their paintings when you saw them or um, yeah, I mean, again, again, it was it was mainly kind of um, you know it was mainly kind of tagging that you'd sort of see around. Um, right. There were a couple of crews, but like um, I don't really live near like near the train tracks or anything like that. And sort of when we sort of discovered um, you know that the lines were pretty bombed. I mean, there was always kind of a few spots, but yeah. it just that was kind of like way outside of our realm. Um, okay. Yeah. And, um, it was more about bombing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was just mischief. I mean, I think um, you know you you sort of sort of heard that story, but yeah, my first kind of experience with graffiti um, was uh, this kid that used to kind of pick on me. You know, this sort of older kid, and um, yeah, one day just on my street, they were doing some roadworks, and they'd built this big ditch. Um, sorry, they, they dug this big ditch for doing roadworks, and this guy pushed me off my bike and then put the bike down in the ditch. And it was just like one thing that he, you know, one of the things that he used to do. But yeah, so down, down the road from us, we had like a takeaway bar, and then there was a dairy a bit further down the road that had this little alleyway down the back. And um, yeah, this guy's name was Shiloh, and. Um, and, you know, he was bigger than me. He was older than me. And um, I had this gold pentel tag, um, pentel pen. And, uh, yeah, I wrote Shiloh sucks on the back wall. And um, and I sort of knew that, that all the local kids hung out there. They knew who, who he was. Yeah. And that was the only way that I could really kind of get one up on him is because I knew that people would see this and be like, ah, oh, Charlie sucks, you know, shame. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but, I mean, that was, you know, I was like, I was obsessed with um, the Space Invader machines, which are kind of a new thing at the time. Right. Um, that same dairy, actually, they used to have this game called Kung Fu Master. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Can I but, yeah, it was basically, you know, the character's girlfriend got kidnapped and then he had to fight his way through these five levels and at the at the end of each level there was a boss, like the first one I think had a like a staff and then the second one had a boomerang or something like that. But I actually did these um did these drawings based on the game of these bosses. Like full colour drawings and um I was quite proud of them and I took them took them down to the dairy and like taped, taped them onto the side of the machine. Um, and like, this is like way before graffiti, but yeah, yeah. for me, that's like, that's the seed that was kind of planted where I was like, 
oh, here's something that I'm quite good at. And if I go and put it in a public space, other people will see it. They, you know, I didn't sign it off or anything. Yeah. But people go, oh, that's pretty cool. I wonder who did that. And um, is that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just, yeah, I kind of think there was, you know, there was something implanted there before I really even had any ambition to actually, you know, be, be a graffiti yeah. artist. It was just, yeah, doing doing that and, yeah, the kind of whole mischief and mystery was, you know, was a major appeal. So, yeah. yeah. What was, um, when you started painting, what was that like, like that decision when you felt like you could always step up? Um, yeah, kind of. It kind of happened quite organically. Like, as I said, you know, there was just the kind of tagging thing. And then there was another guy in my class who he had done a few outlines and he had actually tried, you know, tried doing a couple of simple pieces. And I think we just went to like a railway underbridge. No, I probably just wanted to do a couple of tags, but I think I had two cans and he was like, oh, you should try and, you know, um, throw up an outline, you know, fill it in and, and do that and I kind of remember feeling kind of reluctant at the time like I wasn't really sure if that's what I kind of wanted to do and yeah. um, you know obviously it was would have been toy as but I think having done that first one I sort of went oh yeah this is this is quite cool and um, and then yeah just sort of slowly started to do it do it a bit more but yeah I mean for me really like I mean when we finished when I finished high school, I quite quickly um, got a job, moved out of home at the age of 18. Wow. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I was like living with my girlfriend at the time. And then, um, you know, that just provided me the freedom. You know, I had a job, so I was earning shit money, but I was earning some money and I kind of had the freedom to kind of come and go as I pleased. So it wasn't really finishing school and leaving home that um, I sort of had the opportunity to kind of really go and do that. Um, Push yourself, yeah. 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 I mean, I actually got, I actually got caught tagging. I think I was 14 um, mm. for the first time, just drunk and tagging on a bus stop and the D's rolled up and, you know, I think I was so so pissed at the time. I just threw the threw the pen in the gutter, and they they totally got me, and you know, took me home. And I think my dad was overseas at the time, but they came and knocked on the knocked on the door, woke my mum up, and you know, I was crying and just thought I was in the biggest you know <laughs> just shit. And um, yeah, she kind of handled it quite well, and sort of said, "Oh, well, we're not going to tell your dad about this right now," um, but you know, it's. You know, basically like basically like it ends here, and um, and it just never really never really ended there. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't trying to be sneaking out at night to do that until after I sort of left home, and then I just had free reign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it went full steam from there, basically. Yeah, like um, pretty shortly after moving in there, um, I had. Another friend who was a writer, he moved in with me. Um, he actually went to school with the, the kid that I went to primary school with who had Subway Art. So I've been friends with that guy for ages. But, yeah, he went to school with this guy that I, I just met recently. Um, and, yeah, he had already 
done a bit of stuff. Um, he had a car as well, which was pretty, he had a car and a camera, which was pretty handy. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, then just kind of through him, you know, he had just, he'd already had a little bit more experience and he was keen to go out, you know, go out in the car rather than just going around the neighbor, like local neighborhood, like actually driving out to spots yeah. and, and doing stuff. Yeah. That's, um, that's icon. Um, some of the listeners would be familiar with him, but yeah, he was kind of really, um, you know, a real driving force at the beginning because he had a lot more ambition than me and he had the means to do it as well. Yeah. Like I think, I think he like did a Ram raid when he was young on like some auto took his car, like, you know, jumped through the window of a garage or something like stole, stole a big bag of paint. And, um, yeah, like, I mean, he was just, he was just ready to go, yeah, and I was sort of like, yeah, sort of led the way. Like I think, I think even then, I'm not sure if I really totally had the ambition to kind of, yeah, really do it. You know, I just kind of dabbled, and then, yeah. So I think I credit him. You know, yeah, it's amazing the door that opens, isn't it? Like from from one thing to the next. You mm. know, paint first piece, and then like meeting another writer and of a different level, not just a friend of yours. Yeah. You know? these doors start to open and you really got to decide whether you want to step through them and like, shit, is this the thing? Like, mm. I, I do want to get back to that. I do want to do that again. Yeah. Those first paintings are lovely for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, living with somebody that was, that was doing it, you know, basically it was like, Oh, should we go paint? You know, it's Tuesday night. Oh, should we go do something tonight? Oh yeah. Okay. You know, it was, yeah, it was quite, didn't require a whole lot of effort. It was like, was there, a, was there a Hall of Fame scene out there around that time? Did you have legal walls? Um, there was a few, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, so sort of like me and my sort of group of friends were sort of, I guess you could say the sort of third generation or third wave of writers, you know, the first one being the ones that you would have seen in, um, in uh, Spray Can Art, Smooth yeah. Crew, there was Bomb Squad, there was a couple like that. And then I think, yeah, they kind of faded out. Um, and then the sort of second wave, there was, there was a couple of guys, um, I think some of them might have been might have been Aussies living here or, or Kiwis that ended up taking off to, to Aussie, but there was quite a sort of established um, kind of fraternity of the sort of second wave okay. of writers. And, yeah, there definitely were, you know, they had their spots, which, you know, their level their level was amazing. I mean, I mean, at the time, we're talking sort of mid-90s, they were, they were right up there on, you know, I consider right up there on the sort of international – um, level, you know, they held their own, and yeah, we we had, you know, they had spots which were quite kind of visible, um, but yeah, and then there was like, um, yeah, there were other spots that weren't really like legal hall of fames, but you know, hotbeds of graffiti. There was tolerated Mountain and Train Station, which was a massive wall. Um, um, there's another spot called. Combat zone, which was just near there, it was like a railway underbridge, um, but you know, full colour burners and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think. Were, were, 
did you get into that? Did you get into painting? Like, um, how soon did you get into painting legally? Like, uh, or, or just taking your time in the day rather than just out painting illegal? Um, like, yeah, in the spot. Yeah, pretty quickly, really. Like, um, yeah. yeah, there was, you know, there were a few spots. There was, um, there was one which was at the back of a back of a bar, which is like a hip hop bar called Chill Bar. And, um, yeah, I actually kind of copped a bit of beef cause it's like people were kind of painting there and I sort of was under the misconception that it was basically like a bit of a free for all and sort of rock the piece there and piece kind of got dissed and it was like, nah, bro, you know, you can't paint there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I probably did my first piece in 95 or 96. Mm-hmm. And certainly by like by ninety seven, like we were getting our own walls, you know, we were going and asking permission and getting spots. I mean, we were just trying to do as much as possible, whether it was legal or illegal. So, you know, nothing was really handed to us. And, you know, I'd also add that um, you know, the older generation of writers before us were not very encouraging at all. They, you know, I mean, we were toys, rightfully so. Yeah. Um but, you know, they they quite closely guarded their secrets. You know, they didn't want to give up any spots, any tips, any information or anything like that. So, you, you know. Could have been, basically, they, they could have seen you as the enemy, but these young yeah, up Yeah, I mean, we ended up kind of cool with all of those guys later on. But, yeah, um, yeah certainly at the beginning, you know, as new entrants, you know, into the scene, we weren't particularly kind of welcomed you know it was I think that was just kind of attitude at the time really that you just you know you you pay out on toys you know you roll them for paint or you know whatever and you and you don't give up you know you don't give up nothing so um but yeah you know we quite quickly carved our own kind of path and then sort of got inducted into um into another kind of crew under the wing of um it was this guy Tank. He was a Maori, Maori guy, um, but he had lived in Sydney for a couple of years, and then he came back, and he made a massive impact on the scene. I mean, before then there was there was kind of graffiti and spots, and then he kind of came along, and he was just he was just out to stomp it, you know. Um, so yeah, and and that's surprisingly, was that. That's the mid nineties, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he he kind of came onto the scene in about ninety five, and Good. sort of yeah. So by about ninety six, ninety seven, he had sort of taken us under his wing and was like, oh, you know, you guys should wrap paint, you should do trains, and um, you know, a whole lot of stuff that we hadn't really kind of thought about, and even I think you know the greater New Zealand scene at the time hadn't really thought about, you know, there wasn't really much of a train scene or anything like that. And, um, you know, by that stage, you know, scenes in Sydney were way more advanced and, you know, he came and he was like, you know, racking shit, you know, and, and just, just smashing it, you know? So we kind of came up and we're like, Oh yeah, you know, if you, if, if we want to be real writers, you know, we've got to, we're gonna bot, you know. We're gonna do everything, you know. Tag, bottom oh. trains, you know, all of that shit. So, yeah, we 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 got in pretty deep, 
pretty quickly. Yeah, I think before I could really blink, you know. You were there. I was doing, I was doing shit that I probably, yeah. you know, wouldn't have on my own if it hadn't been for influence of guys like that. Yeah. How, how did all of that affect your real life? Like, when I say real life, I mean, like, you know, renting a flat with your partner, you know, working a job. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just, I mean, at the time, it was just one big party, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I, left, um, I finished high school without really being sure about what I wanted to do in terms of furthering my education. So I was just like, look, I've been, I've been in, you know, educational institutions all my life. I just want to have a break now, you know. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know, I've got a job as a kitchen hand in a restaurant, um, you know, and then sort of started learning to cook and stuff like that. But that was quite, that was quite conducive um, to the graffiti lifestyle as well because, you know, sometimes I work mornings, sometimes I work nights. Um, you know, we'd finish at like, 11, you know, 11 or 12, um, you know, go smoke a joint and then like go home and, you know, go home and bomb and, you know, some days I could sleep in and everything. So, yeah, I sort of, I certainly didn't really have too much responsibility. Um, and you know, before long graffiti was definitely my top priority. You know, I was prepared to sacrifice a lot of other things in life, um, just to kind of further my graffiti career. Such a massive addiction, isn't it? It's yeah. So many levels to what you get out of it. And um, yeah. constantly, constantly trying to find yourself in it as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this, that first job that I had, my boss, he owned, uh, it was um, sort of, yeah, the restaurant was uptown. My boss owned the building just across the way from that. Yeah. which had a wall and I was like, Hey man, you know, do you reckon we could have the wall? You know? And he goes, Oh yes. Yeah. Sweet as, you know? So that was like basically only kind of like the first year into it, you know, we had a killer legal wall, you know, right uptown. Uh, so, you know, we could sort of hone our skills there. And, and then, yeah, as I say, kind of, you know, bombing on the way home from, from work and all yeah. of that. So, um, what what was the story with Mean from over here? Mm. Yeah, so um, I think that was about ninety eight. Mm. Um, he's yeah he he was a I think he still is a chef, but yeah he was um, he was quite an accomplished chef, and I think he just kind of came came here for um, you know on like I think it was like a two year work visa type thing, yeah. and. Um, yeah, I think we met him through mutual friends. I think he worked at a at a bistro with um, female chef that I knew, and um, and yeah, we just kind of heard about the guy, and I was like, oh, he's this he's this kind of British, you know, British guy that's into hip hop and graph and stuff, and we kind of got to meet him, and you know, sort of similar to Tank, you know, he had this whole kind of history of. Yeah, of kind of bombing and getting up and stuff um, that we were sort of still kind of learning about. And he ended up moving um, moving into a flat with um, with Askew and Icon. Wow. Uh, yeah, this would have been about 98, and he was kind of hanging out. You know, I mean, he was 
basically just part of the crew, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was, I mean, he was just totally smashing street sizes. You know, he was doing, you know, chrome pieces just on like street corners and stuff like that. We just, you know, most of us just didn't really think that doing a piece in a spot like that was kind of possible when he was just like right up the gut. So, yeah, I mean, he he, he played quite a pivotal kind of role in the developing scene there in the, um, in the late 90s and then um, – yeah, it was that year, 99, um, I kind of went and did my IOE over in Europe. What's so that, I did my IOE, like, uh, you know, over, overseas experience, we call it. You know, basically okay. New Zealanders travel north, they go to America or Europe and, you know, and like I got like a two-year working visa. So I was actually – I don't, I don't want to say – I was the first, but I was certainly one of the first to kind of come from New Zealand and then go up to Europe and start painting over there and that. And, um, you know, my first point of call was, was London and a lot of the guys that I met there were, were friends of mine. So he was still here, Yeah, but he put me in contact with all of his boys. So I think, yeah, when I first kind of got there, I hooked up with like, um, it's like Praise, Asia. The VFL crew. What's that? VFL, West London's crew. Praise uh, Asia. Yeah, uh, yeah, PFBs as I know it. Um, yeah, so those guys kind of showed me around and, um, yeah, sort of travelled all, th- all through Europe and went up, to, went up to Newcastle and did a bit of stuff up there. And, yeah. How long were you here for then? Um, I had intended to stay for the full two years. Um, I had a two-year working visa, yeah. but I think I only ended up staying four or five months. Um, yeah, I mean, basically I came from just, as I say, just kind of having a kitchen hand job. I didn't really have too many kind of applicable career skills. Yeah. I kind of got there and I think maybe I kind of wasn't, quite in the right sort of headspace for, um, you know, trying to kind of get a job and sort of make a lifestyle of it. Um, As much as I liked London, I I found it a little bit overwhelming. Um, Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I just, I think coming coming from a small country like New Zealand, I kind of couldn't really picture myself kind of getting a job in a restaurant and getting a flat there and that. So I ended up, um, you know, I spent like a couple of weeks in London and then I went up, up north to, the, to uh, Newcastle where I had a girl that I went to school with back back here in New Zealand. Um, she's a good friend of mine, but she was actually initially from Newcastle. Wow. Uh, so I went up there and just spent a couple of weeks um, up there hanging out with her and she was – her boyfriend at the time was in um, TNS crew. Oh yeah, or like um, um, Dizem Keza. That's um, right. Yeah, yeah uh, Royal. I think he was based back in London at that time. But um, yeah, yeah so did a whole lot of stuff for those guys and. Wicked, man. And then yeah, sort of went on went on to Europe, um, you know, Amsterdam, Eastern Europe, and all that, and. Um, yeah, I just I just decided to just kind of travel around, experience it all, and just try and do as much painting as possible. And, and then, sort of, yeah, 
got to the end and sort of started running out of money and just thought, oh, no, I'll just come home and smash it here instead. Wicked, yeah. wicked. What, did, yeah. you, uh, did you ever think about moving into making money with it, like selling art pieces or being commissioned? Did that happen? Mm. Um, not, not especially, no. I mean, I, I didn't really have the ambition to try and be um, a mural artist or a gallery artist, really. Um, I mean, I've, yeah, I've never been really too confident with kind of doing um, scenic backgrounds and characters and that sort of thing. And, you know, unless you've got the confidence to do that, you kind of can't really make money just off doing letters. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, after getting back from Europe, I, I think I missed applying for university um, just because of the time that I that I got back. So I sort of did like another year of sort of working and then worked towards getting my application to um, to study at university after that. So I think from leaving school to the time I actually got to university might have been might have been three years by that stage. Wow. And, and yeah, I studied studied. Um, I did visual arts at first <clears throat> for a year and then ended up doing graphic design. So kind of coming back to sort of my upbringing, I sort of, you know, even though I'd sort of worked in kitchens and everything, it never really felt like a viable career option for me. So, yeah, um, yeah I sort of felt like doing something like graphic design um, was something I would always kind of end up doing. But... Yeah, I never, I never really sort of wanted to try and break into the gallery scene or sort of commercial mural type stuff. Um, and even even now, I'm, I, you know, I keep, I prefer to keep the two completely separate. You know, I think, I mean, it's different for everybody, but graffiti is kind of a, a passion that I didn't really sort of want to want to taint by um, sort of chasing commercial success. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so it's a mad thing because I think we've all, you know, we're at a similar age. We started around the same time. We probably noticed um, the business side of the culture come up. I suppose in the early 2000s, for instance, late 90s, early 2000s, there was obviously a business aspect to it all. Mm. But by, I, I decided to do it. I made a business of it in 2001. But um, for people who didn't, I think it's really admirable and also it, gives you a chance to let your hobby be your hobby like mm -hmm. let your culture be its culture and you know now I'm, I'm quite lucky because I produce different artwork now so when I go and paint graffiti it's really just for me and it's so nice to be back in that rather than in, in the the same aspect of it as well as it being a hobby so mm -hmm. it's nice to manage to separate the two because you do keep it as a pure thing not not sounding yeah. cheesy real I don't mean it in that sense but just yeah just you keep it pure yes untainted not to say that i've tainted it or whoever mm. but um it's it's a different game and i admire people who get to just keep painting uh, yeah i mean like, like you know I, I completely respect the hustle you know if, if yeah. um if that's what you want to do that's that's your passion there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with yeah being a living um, that you're passionate about. In fact, it's a kind of it's a shame if you if you don't enjoy your work, you know what you do for a living. Um, but yeah, I've kind of often found that um, you know once it is for a client or or the um, you know 
the concept is kind of prescribed by somebody else, you know, when somebody's saying, oh, can you, can you do it like this? Um, it kind of takes all the fun out of it. And I think, you know, what, what has always kind of attracted me to graffiti is just the complete freedom that really is doing it for yourself and for your peers. And if it, you know, if it doesn't look good or whatever, the only person that's kind of disappointed is yourself. And you can go uh, again. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know, like I work in graphic design now and you know, like my bosses, they, they know what I do and they respect it. You know, like my boss follows me on Instagram and that, <laughs> you know, I tell them what I've been up to and you know, they see the, the legit and the, you know, the non-legit stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of quite like that, that it's a, it's a creative release for me, you know, from doing design, you know, commercial stuff for clients. Yeah. Um, and then, I can just kind of walk away and go and do something that's just for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of appreciate being able to keep the two separate and, you know, I mean, you know, obviously we're not getting any younger and this, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of my peers who have made a living out of that and, and that's awesome. But at the same time, I think, man, it's like, it's hard work, you know, it's, it's physically taxing. Um, you know, as far as like health is concerned and everything, like I wouldn't really want it, wanting to work with spray paints like every day. You know, it's yeah, and it's, yeah. it's completely draining as well, man. It's a, yeah. it can be a creative drain. Um, yeah, you're right about the health aspect as well, man. We didn't pick a fucking safe sport to play with. You yeah. know, yeah, it's, yeah, that shit is fucking harsh. I tend to the paintings I'm doing now, apart from my graffiti paintings, they all been doing done with emotion. Mm-hmm. I'm doing these abstract paintings in motion and I'm oh, I'm so happy to have found something different that I can paint outdoors large but yeah I'm so glad I'm not using the spray but um, keeping uh, you, you by keeping this consistency for 20 plus years like 20 odd years mm-hmm. um, you've built something that obviously you don't need to you can just keep evolving and keep adding to without any pressures without thinking oh I need to hit this gallery or I need to release this next print or fuck what am I you've managed you, you've built a life for yourself a real life but then you, you've got this really rich solid graph history and progression yeah at the same time yeah yeah I mean it's funny um, you know just because of this whole kind of like lockdown thing and um you know, I started digging out some like, you know, boxes of like old photos and everything, just kind of looking through, you know, looking through kind of what I'd, what I'd done, which I just kind of kept hidden away. You know, this is, you know, going back 15 years or whatever. And, oh, yeah. you know, like a group chat with the boys, you know, we we're all just kind of like sharing photos and stories and everything. And, you know, and just, just, yeah, reminiscing basically just how, much we immersed ourselves in it back then you know it was everything and it was a real blast and you know now yeah we are talking you know um for me it's coming on 20 24 25 years since i started um it's 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 hard i mean it's easier to it's easier to pull a good piece you know that you that you know you're confident about what you're doing but everything else around it, you know, finding the time 
organizing it, you know, organizing time away from the family and all of that, you know, life's responsibilities and everything is, you know, it makes it a lot harder to kind of justify doing that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've kind of got to a point now um, where, yeah, I just, I basically, I don't push, you know, I don't push myself too hard. Like I have periods where like I probably don't paint for a couple of months just because, I'm not really in the mood. I'm not really in the headspace for it. And, you know, it used to be all about numbers and pushing yourself and, and yeah, you had the motivation to just do it. But kind of now it's like, yeah, often I just don't really feel like, feel like doing it. And then I have little periods where I'm just like, yeah, sometimes I'm really having to force it. I mean, particularly when the kids were young and I had a real sense of guilt, you know, like I'm working, I'm working Monday to Friday and then the weekend comes and I'm feeling like, oh, I should probably be, you know, doing something with a wife wife and kids and here I am spending the whole day painting. I've got all this background stress. Piece isn't really looking that good and I'm just like, man, what the hell am I doing, you know? And then there are other times where it's just like, oh, this is a total break. I'm enjoying it. And then I'll be like, oh, I might do one next week. You know, I'm, I'm on a roll. And then, and then, yeah, the moment passes and it's uh, too hard. Definitely goes in peaks and troughs. And, but I think um, the fact that you can be relaxed with that thought process as well. Like, and I think when you get to that stage in this culture where you realise, you know what, fuck a number. It doesn't matter. And I don't need to upload a piece or do a piece every week. Like... I've put in two decades here plus. Mm. I've done it. And uh, now I can I can use this thing. Like, if people see me painting now, like the public, and they see me outside painting, like, oh, what are you doing? What is this? Or, you know, it's, like, oh, it's just like a hobby. It's just like your husband fishing on a Sunday, you know? Yeah. And it, it feels so nice at last to have got to that stage where I don't really care about my name being up or out or recognised. It's... I'm getting to paint my dad's piece or that's it piece or whatever I'm going to paint. And uh, mm. yeah, with no pressures, it's a uh, getting to that stage is nice. I do wish though, part of me wishes I was that amazing King flying worldwide, constantly painting massive murals. Of course. Yeah. But at the same time, I like the position I found myself. Yeah. You know, I, I like the, I like the position that you're in as well. You, Cause you get to use graffiti and, and that time for what, for what you need it for, you know, to, to release, you know, to relax on the everyday pressures and yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, now it's it's only really you know I do it because I feel like doing it, and sometimes yeah. I enjoy it, and sometimes I don't. You know, um, you know, sometimes it's easy to just kind of spend half a day on a wall, catch yeah. up with the boys, you know, all the crew, you know, they've pretty much all got you know families and stuff now, so not that it's not that easy, and then. And then sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I'm just really up for a track side or I see a good spot and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, the kids are in bed, you know, I'm just going to sneak out and do it. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, I certainly can't do it with the same, um, you know, ferocity that I once did. Yeah. Nothing off limits, you know, I think I did did maybe two trains last year. Um, Oh, So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still up for it. I'm just, still just not, it, my, yeah. I've got this. I've got this young guy who's um, he's a good star writer, kid Aero, 
And um, he just messages me all the time. Like, he's like, oh, you want to go like like three times a week or something? He's like, <laughs> oh, bro, should we do a track side tonight? Let's go do it. And I'm like, bro, it's Tuesday. I've got heaps of work on. And, and I, like, I feel kind of guilty because he just, he just keeps at me and I'm just constantly yeah. knocking him back. Like nine times out of ten, I'm like, yeah, I can't be bothered. But then sometimes I'm just like, actually, yeah, yeah, I could be up for it. And and yeah, and he's he's G'd me up. So we've yeah, you know, we've 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 done panels and we've done you know, we've done some pretty cool spots and that and it, it's kinda of good to have like, yeah, somebody young and just fully motivated that it's like if ever I actually feel like painting You've got just like yeah. hey and he's like, Yeah, he's ready to go, you know? Big man. So yeah, I wish I had that. <laughs> I haven't got anything like that. And I, I yeah, seen I mean, it. I, and, and I still really enjoy it. I mean, you know, doing doing stuff at night. You know, I mean, that's essentially what it's all about, and still what I get the most enjoyment out of. You know, I mean, painting painting day walls and stuff. Uh, they're kind of chill, but I find you spend too much time on it, and then. You never really that you never really feel that satisfied with it because you've you know the result for the amount of effort that you've put into it often doesn't really pay off. But it's like yeah. if you go out at night and you're like, oh, I've got I've got an hour or two, and you come back the next day and you know it looks sick, and you're just like, yeah, man, that's that's, that's totally why I'm still into it. You know, never too yeah. old for that. I need yeah. to fuck something man i haven't done a late night thing for time now it's been ages mm. my lifestyle kind of dicta- dictates it where i live now as well but it's um i miss it dearly and i miss the train so much i can't mm. see me ever doing a train again though uh, especially yeah. here I can't. not in this country i'm not up for the games they play here yeah uh, oh no doubt i mean i i don't think i was really i mean i've, I've never yeah. really been you know I I did it a little bit when I was kind of younger and then, yeah, we sort of got busted and that sort of closed the door on that for a little while. Um, And then, uh, but yeah, as I said, you know, it's, it's not really, it's not really my ambition to keep doing it. But when you've got somebody that's young and G'd up and and he's like, I've got it all worked out, man. You know, we go in, you know, a couple of things like we'll take, we'll take my car and, and he's like, uh, it's sweet as he's like, he's like, you know, nine times out of ten, I go and and it's all good. Well, I'll tell you what, the two times that we've been, it hasn't been all good. We've we've been seen, we've caught the chase, <laughs> and everything. One of them, you know, one of them we didn't get to finish, and the other one was was kind of ninety percent finished. And then they went, him and his boy went back the next day and and kind of put the finishing touches on it and got photos, but um. But yeah, I mean, certainly that first one, even though we kind of got chased off and I was totally gassed, you know, by the end of it to actually, you know, kind of be my age. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can, you know, I can still run. And still run. I was like, oh, even though we didn't get to finish, I was like, that was a blast, man. Yeah, man. I feel like I'm young again, you know, for yeah. a moment. I probably paid for it the next day, but yeah. But you, just, but you added to it all, man. You added to the story with that shit. And that's, that's amazing. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think also I kind of I kind of realised that um, you know it's it's not it's not it's never really been about the finished result, but mm. actually the experience of doing it. Yeah, 
um, you know, another piece is another piece. You do a, you do a good one, but it's um. But like you say, with the yeah, like you say, with a Hall of Fame painting compared to a nighttime painting, it's mm. it is you know, if it was about the piece, it would always be daytime because mm. striving to do the best painting. You're right; it's a lot about the experience. There's a there's a heavy weight towards the experience, and I love I love painting with my friends. It's brilliant. Uh, you know, I love a Saturday with six boys, six of us out there smoking and drinking and painting a large hall. There's nothing like it. That is an experience as well. But mm. the true experience, that night time, that heart rate, you know, lack of light, all of that. The, the yeah, of the, I mean, yeah, it, it's spots too, you know. I mean, if it's a good spot, you can yeah. do the most minimal amount of painting and it's just it just brings the spot to life. So, yeah. you know... For me now, there are there are opportunities that kind of present themselves sometimes that are just too good to pass up. Yeah, um, you know we're doing like we've got massive works going on at the moment with well it's kind of been put on hold hold because of the lockdown thing, but yeah. um, there's massive um, infrastructure improvements. You know they're expanding the railway lines and they're building underground stations and wow. you know had some situations where like entire blocks you know, multiple blocks are getting demolished. Um, and yeah, you've just, you've just got these like abandoned sites, you know, with just, it's just like a graffiti wonderland, you know, of blank walls and you're like, you know, you go in and paint and then two weeks later they've, they've like leveled the whole thing. But you know, there's, there's kind of spots like that that just, you know, that kind of present themselves and you're just like, Oh, this is just too good not to do, you know, yeah, maybe. And not so long ago I kind of I sort of went and had a look around there was like so many spots and I think it was might have been Labor weekend or it was some sort of long weekend and um, I just got up like three days in a row I just got up like real early in the morning before the kids were even up it was just like a just like a bag of paint and just like do an hour you know do an hour yeah. painting session get home you're all finished before the kids are even out of bed and then the next day like yeah I've got to do another one so there's been quite a few kind of little opportunities like that have come up where it's yeah it's just been too good to pass up on and so you know you get these kind of little flurries of activity and and then it's kind of died down but yeah how big is the scene in Auckland now um it's it's pretty big hundreds of writers um. Yeah, yeah, probably. Have you got a graph shop? Um. Not really. Not really a dedicated graph shop. I mean, there's there's multiple spots where you can get paint. We get all the paint, um, but often they're not necessarily dedicated graph shops. We've got yeah. we've got a couple of different art shops. One of them brings in the German Montana. Mm-hmm. There's a skateboard shop that brings in, um, well, that sells Spanish Montana. And there's a shop just around the road from me that I've got an account for that does um, does Molotov. Okay. And then there are a couple of, like, independent importers that um, that bring, like, this guy that brings in loop paint. And that's just, like, an online order, and I've got a good – I've got a good thing going with them. So yeah, nowadays mainly you just you just order your paint online and they just send it by courier. Okay, it's really cheap. Um, you know, it's for you know for paint, it's great now because paint is so much cheaper than what it used to be. 
Um, and yeah, you know, you can get, you know, 20, 20 odd cans for like a hundred bucks, you know, that used to, used to only get you about eight cans back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we're about three eighty, four twenty a can pounds. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's probably more than what we pay. Yeah, yeah it sounds. Yeah, it sounds it. Um, yeah, but fuck knows. I mean, that whole the business part of it. I used to own a gallery. I owned a gallery for ten years and um, sold paint for ten years as well. That's just a, it's too hard work to do and paint. <laughs> Sold weed as well, but it was shit because I smoke. <laughs> yeah, just using your own supplier was never the case. But um, yeah, I found that business too hard, man. Yeah, but it seems healthy out there. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. I mean, um, yeah, as I said, sort of when we started, it was really it was kind of us, and then there was um, TMD, which was like Fat One and and SQ TMD and and all of that but yeah nowadays there's there's multiple crews and you know there's some of the younger generations of crews have really you know really smashed the train system and that so um you know certainly we're we're pretty old heads now and there are you know a lot of younger people um that were sort of a lot more a lot more active than us now um but yeah there's you know it's pretty healthy. It's pretty friendly. You know, there's not a lot of beef, you know, there's, you know, some people might consider that a little bit boring, but, um, you know, you know, over here, yeah, over here in the last few years, two or three years, I mean, um, we've had quite a few deaths within the culture. Mm. Um, and there was a few male suicides as well last year Mm. within the culture, but, um, it seems to have, and I think it's been over the last two or three years, there's been this like I've never seen the scene so uh, uh, empathetic over here I mean obviously there's beef there's beef in every city in in graffiti but there seems to be a real nice vibe going on within within our scene at the minute Um, and there's a lot of I mean by the current situation there's Mm. a lot of getting together there's a lot of jams there's a lot of paying respect to artists who have gone um, and it's been nice to see that you know, for it being here like 35, 40 years now, I don't think I've ever seen a culture like this here, um, which it really welcoming and opened armed. Um, yeah. You know, it was a writer's birthday recently down at, and, and he brought a load of writers down to Waterloo and just to celebrate his birthday. And the mix of artists there was dope, man. I don't think I've ever seen such a mix like for a while, especially at a birthday, not like a jam or a memorial thing. Mm. And I think the older the culture gets, yeah, I suppose the more reasoned and reasonable we get with each other, maybe because we've yeah. seen it all. Before. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people, you know, probably old heads would consider it as kind of a softening of the scene. But you know, I mean, I've never really been about the tough guy kind of thing. You know, there's been yeah. there's been personalities within the scene that are kind of more about that. But you know, that's never it's never kind of really been, you know, I think it's good character building, you know, I mean, I've had, I've had, I've had beefs in that and, you know, that's been, that's been motivation to, to go harder and and be better. You know, I think that's quite healthy. Um, But, you know, yeah, I think, I think back then there was always the threat at least of real violence, real consequences. And, And now it's all, you know, if, 
if there is beef, it's all kind of like online kind of, you know, it's just, it's yeah. like you can't really take it seriously, you know. It's like, man, you sound like bitches, you know. <laughs> I the old heads and I agree with the, you know, there's nothing like, I think, you know, it's good to get a punch in the face as a kid because it teaches you a good thing about to about life as you get older, now to mm. use your mouth and so on and what to say. But I'm, I'm, I'm really liking this time in London at the minute and uh, just seeing all these people come together so much. It's a, yeah, I'm loving my scene here currently. I haven't painted much of it in the last couple of years, but it's been nice to watch. Yeah. So, yeah, um, the whole social media thing as well. It's like, um, you know, people are really quite connected. You know, I've got, you know, got people that I haven't necessarily met, you know, that are really, um, you know, really kind of forthcoming with yeah. compliments and, you know, messages and stuff like that. And, you know, you do feel like there is a real, a real kind of wider community. You know, I've got, you know, if I, if I travel, you know, there's, there's people that will kind of welcome me, you know, I, I get, I get sort of tentative invites to jams that I kind of know in reality, I'm probably never really going to be able to kind of make it there. Um, you know, just cause of kind of work and family commitments, but you know, like Lars said, you know, if ever you're in, if ever you're in Europe, you know, and you want to do the Ross Kilda jam and, you know that type of thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to kind of I'd love to go and go and do that. You know, I sort of missed out on the opportunity for that, but you know, yeah. it's just we're so far away, and it's kind of the money and time away from time away from family and stuff. And it's nice just fucking having the the question posed to you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, ten years ago you would have jumped at it. Yeah. Now it's just oh sick. Yeah, wicked. Thanks for that. I won't make it, but I appreciate that, man. That's wicked. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you know, no. if I find myself, I yeah, absolutely want to try and do some of those. So you get um, you 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 get to like really get that pressure out, uh, and that feeling out through your painting, but with no added uh, pressure on it. There's no added bits to it. It's not like you need more of a following so that your next print run will drop or, you know, you need more of a following so you get thrown to the next city. You've, it's really authentic for you. It's really doing what it did when you were 18. It's, it's doing yeah, the same. I mean, yeah, 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 totally. My, really my attitude towards graffiti and towards style has never really changed. Um, I, you know, I've always pretty much stayed in my lane. You know, I've never had... I've never had too much ambition to try and really kind of break break out of my mould um, or to sort of really push boundaries or anything. I mean, you know, take take that as you can. But, yeah, I think the motivation, the, the feeling for it um, has pretty much remained unchanged. Um, I mean, looking at your work, it, it just shows to me that you love graffiti because yeah. you you've really, you know, you've worked hard on your letters, you've pushed your letters, you know, and there's a consistency to your work. I love, I love it when you can crop a writer's piece down to, you know, a couple of lines, some infill, maybe a bit of highlight and know who it is. And I think I can do that with your work. And mm. um, I think that's a, you know, it's dope when you get to just dip into that and produce that walk away. I think, yeah, it's wicked. Uh, I think you've made this, a style which is fully your own, but is fully within the graffiti aesthetic. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm quite a practical type person, you know. So I think I think you know, I mean, I I paint the style that I like, you know, what you know, what I consider to be, you know, aesthetically, what you know, what graffiti, you know, what graffiti, you should, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's what I thought was quite interesting. Like when I told you about what I used to write and you're like, Oh really? And, and, and I get that a lot. Like people go, Oh yeah. What, what happened to webs? And I was like, <laughs> like, as I said, I was, I was chatting to, to mean PFB just yesterday. Cause I posted yeah. one of his old, old flicks and he was like, yeah, man, I used to hang out with, you know, Askew and webs. And, and I was like, yeah, you know, you know that I'm webs, right? And he was like, Oh bro, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Is that you? And then, yeah, and I get that a lot. Like even even from people within New Zealand, they're like, "Yeah, whatever happened to Webs?" And I was like, "Yeah, it was me. I just I just changed names, you know." And um, oh oh, it all makes sense now. I'm like, oh, bro, I re- yeah, I remember this. Uh, I remember this place that you did on this thing, and it was rolling through my town, and. They're just like, oh, fuck, it all makes sense now, you know? Yeah, it does. When you said it, I was like, the fuck, of course. Because I, I also could only go back so far in Vent's history. I'm yeah. like, I know there's more, but what is it? Like, yeah. what, when you said it, it was like, there we go, missing button. Yeah, well, that, that's that's why I said to you, I was like, oh, well, if you connect the two names, that you know, you get a whole lot more of the story. Because, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... What made you change the name? Um, to be honest, I I just I kind of got sick of the letters. I felt yeah. um, I felt oh, kind of uh, yeah, like I just I got I got it to a point where I was pretty happy with how the pieces looked, but then I was doing a lot of pieces in that in that style. And I kind of felt like it was all starting to look a little bit the same. And I was never, I don't think I was ever really that comfortable with those letters. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really a conscious decision. I'm going to stop writing this and I'm going to start writing, writing Vents. I just yeah. basically started writing Vents as a sort of alternative kind of bombing name. I had, plan to kind of do more like the legal walls as webs and and use vents as like a bombing name um and i did a couple and and yeah before i knew it i had just basically stopped writing webs altogether mm. and i was writing yeah i mean I, I started off just writing vent and then i kind of just added the s onto it but um yeah as i say it, it wasn't really intentional but yeah. I think within the space of about three or four months, I just kind of shut the chat, shut that chapter on webs. And, and in a way I think it's quite cool to yeah. have done it like that. Cause, cause people do, you know, people that do know, they do yeah. wonder why, you know, what's the story there. And, and it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just wow. done with that. You know, I moved on from it. And um, yeah, I think also, I think by that point, you know, I've been writing webs for about 10 years and then I discovered that there were a couple of other people um, that also wrote that name. I think there was somebody in Germany or yeah. Holland or something, and I, I think there was somebody in Australia as well. So, 
yeah, kind of at the time I thought, oh, yeah, nobody's sort of writing writing that name. And then, yeah, I discovered there was uh, like, yeah, Vince 137 from from UK. Um, oh, yeah, Vince, yeah, from up north, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't aware of him at the time. And then I think somebody posted, well, I think he was writing Vince Art, like VSA. Yeah. And, um yeah, I'm not quite sure how long he's been been writing that, or if he's if he's had another name. But um, you know, I was I was kind of already well committed yeah. to the name before I became aware of him. And I, I I've, been, message, well. I've been in touch with him about it, and you know, it's all cool. I'm I'm a I'm a massive fan of what he does, and yeah. you know, he's he's kind of got his style, and I've got I've got mine. So That's completely different. Yeah. yeah. That shit doesn't matter. I never care about that, man. I think if someone's going to moan about having the same name, well, try and own that name then. Make it your own. Like, you, you've just got to make sure that people know that that's your letter, not his. Yeah. And I think it kind of makes it a bit fun. It's but quite funny, is- actually, um, when, um, you know, Askew used to run these, like, hip-hop summits, and he always used to bring, you know, big-name international writers over. And... Um, and he had Wayne COD over once, and they they um, assembled these little mini walls, and I was on a wall just with him. It was like me and him just doing this two namer. And he pulled my card. He was like, he was like, yo man. He was like, I'm from New York. He was like, you know, where I'm from, you know, we're very protective of our names. And he was like, he was like, I can't. I can't paint next to you writing that name because of uh, web TC five. Yeah. And, um, and it's, and it's quite funny because, um, that first time that I went to Europe, I started, um, having contact with like the graphicism guys Like they did an interview with me back then. And I was quite regularly sending photos and everything. And, um, I think, yeah, web TC five, he saw one of those and he actually like emailed me and he was like, Oh yeah, man, I'm the OG web, you know, he was like, but that's cool and everything. He was like, man, you know, I like your stuff and everything. So yeah, when Wayne pulled me up, I was like, I was like, nah, it's cool, man. Like, like I've, I've, I've chatted to web on the internet, you know, and you know, he said, it's all good. And he was like, he's like, nah, man, he's like, I can't go home. You know, if I show my photos, like the boys would be like, Yo, man, you know what the fuck are you doing? Painting with this toy, like riding web and everything. And um, so, yeah, I think. I mean, it didn't really bother me too much at the time, except I had an outline that I was going to paint, and then I couldn't yeah. really use it, and I had to freestyle and you know freestyle a, an alias, and it, it didn't really quite work out. But you know, I mean, it was it was no hard feelings. But I think, yeah, maybe that was another thing that sort of at the time I was sort of like. Oh, okay, that name, you know, I can't really I can't really claim ownership of that name too much. Yeah, even if even if the guy himself is called, this culture's crazy and yeah. rules rules and Wayne's abiding by them. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've I've kinda of heard like I haven't actually I haven't been to the States, but I've I've kinda of heard that it's quite old school like that. Like if you if you go to New York and you paint with one crew, you know, that 
pretty much shuts the door on painting with another crew, you know, like who you kind of get down with when you first get there, you know, you basically got to stay in that group. And, yeah. um, I've you know, really, I, you don't really hear about it too much, but I mean, if you just, if you just kind of follow certain crews or, you know, if you see somebody goes to New York and, and then they hook up with, a certain bunch of guys and then you'll kind of see that yeah they really only do stuff with them and um, it's nuts. um i've been reaching out obviously worldwide to do this series for my podcast mm-hmm. and um i've reached out to a couple of new yorkers and both of them asked me do you know and do you know like people that they've met from the uk and it was yeah. kind of like i know this person if you know them i can talk to you if you don't know them i can't talk to you yeah and I'm just waiting to see how those conversations play out. But you're right. New York is old school, man. They stick to that rule book. And, um, yeah, yeah, the loyalty and the respect. And, uh, I mean, sometimes you look on it and it can look a bit skewed, man. I mean, I've got some questions about some of the things the New York culture has done and the people they've let through, considering they've got all these rules. But I'm not there, so I I couldn't really talk about it. But, um, the culture is amazing. I respect it too, man. I mean, like, you know, we're all we're all kind of cool with each other down here, but you know, I I very much have always kind of stuck to my group. Um, you know, I mean, as I said, you know, I've, I've had I've had kind of like writing partnership with Askew for a couple of years, where you know we were quite active. We we're doing a lot of stuff together, and we were you know represented different crews. Um, yeah. But generally speaking, I mean, you know, it's like now, if, you know, I've got I've got my walls and my spots and, you know, I get messaged by people that are coming here to visit and they want to paint and then I kind of have to think about, oh, you know, are they going to be taking somebody else's spot on the wall or, yeah. you know. I mean, even, even painting with, like, quite big names now, like, I mean, you used to get, you know, you used to really sort of stand on dudes and, you know, we've had time, you know, we had, we've had, you know, guys like Cantu and Atom and all that come over and you get, you know, everybody wants to get a, get a piece next to them and, yeah, uh, you know, and then you don't, you know, you realise you just, you know, you're just going to get burnt anyway. So it's kind of embarrassing, you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, yeah. And increasingly now I just don't kind of really care for it too much. You know, there's not really to try to sort of climb that social ladder by painting with kind of big name writers and that I just, I just rather paint with, yeah. with my guys, you know, we know each other well, we're kind of on the same sort of level and we, you know, we push and encourage each other. And, um, I think yeah. there might be an age group within the culture for us where that's a real thing to get done. I remember mm. when Cope turned up in Brighton and, uh, Cope and scene actually, Mm. That was a fucking funny day, man. Like some bullshit went on, as you can imagine, between the various crews and yeah. trying to get this. And it was it was so hilarious. Like we all played a part in it, but you look back at it and you just think, yeah, um, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd do that as a thirty nine year old, actually forty year old, should yeah. I say? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's um, yeah. There's there's a well, yeah. Certainly, when you're young and ambitious, it's all about hitting milestones, you know. Um, exactly. You're going you know, through it. painting with big name writers, you know, uh, in your eyes elevates your, you know, your kind of social standing against, uh, you know, amongst your peers and and that sort of thing. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it, yeah, does a whole, does a whole whole lot for your own reputation, really. I mean, if you paint next to somebody, a big name, and they burn you, that's just going to make you look bad. <laughs> you know, I think it's it's just as qualifying knowing that you're painting with your friends 10, 20 years down the line still, that's mm. just as great as painting next to X writer, you know, because it's just like, yeah, look at this is dedication. This is it. As, as far as, as far as influence goes as well, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah, I've, you know, I've seen those guys paint technical stuff and everything, but I always learn more from painting with my own friends, you know, and you feel more comfortable about applying those learnings Mm. you know um seeing seeing that sort of thing and then kind of trying that then um stuff that you've seen other people that you're not you know you're not really that down with you know um it's it's a lot more organic as well you know kind of just painting with you know painting with your guys and and kind of just bouncing ideas off each other and then kind of taking that and running yeah. running with that I love your relaxate your your relaxed view on it all, man. It's really calming. Mm. <laughs> it's very matter of fact and calming. And yeah. you went for the levels. You know what I mean. You went and did those things. You went and played a part, and you travelled and you painted with people. But um, yeah, you kind of realise that home is where the heart is, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, again, you know, it's just. I think it's just about. Um, kind of just doing it because you enjoy doing it. I mean, the, you know, the creative rewards are, are kind of great, but, um, you know, I guess because I've never kind of really had that, um, ambition to kind of make a career out of it. Um, it's just, it's just always been for fun, really. Yeah. I think that's the creative reward in itself. You know, mm. imagine you didn't have it. Imagine you did just go to school and then college and then got your graphic design thing and then you went off and you worked. Mm. You wouldn't. The fact is, you are getting to, you know, use the creativity that graffiti brings us, the creative freedom that graffiti brings us. You know, you, 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 that's what I mean about this calming way is that you don't need to, you're not after anything. You know, mm. you're not after anything. You're up for celebrating it, you're up for looking at it, and you're up for painting it. And, you know, no more than that. I think that's really fucking cool, man. It's really nice. Yeah. yeah. Sick, man. Well, look, I've loved that. Thank you so much. No problem. Wicked, yeah. Man. I think the time's gone quite quickly. Um, yeah, there's probably a lot more stuff that we kind of probably could have covered off, but um, yeah, that's. Um, I'm looking to um, to go along with this series. I want to do um, zines from everyone. Mm. Call it the quarantine. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny that you should say that because that's exactly what um, what I'm kind of planning on doing. Um, yeah, digging out all these old photos, kind of realizing <laughs> that there's kind of a, a history there that has either been forgotten or is just actually too old for like a lot of the younger generation to really kind of know about. Uh-huh. I started kind of posting stuff just you know, not posting everything, but just to kind of test the waters really just to sort of see. And I've been getting, yeah, like a lot of messages from people saying, yeah, and absolutely you should do it. Um, and yeah, I think that's one of the positive things that's kind of coming from this, this kind of lockdown thing is actually, 
you know, I can't be out painting, so I've, you know, I've smashed out a whole lot of, lot of like color black book sketches. Um, um, yeah, I've been, I've sort of been selling a few of those recently, just kind of when I get, when I get time to do it. Yeah. Um, and, um, but yeah, just, just, just kind of like back to hitting color sketches. You know, I've never really been that big on doing outlines, I actually freestyle probably 90% of my stuff, but, um, but yeah, kind of doing them more as just like little kind of artworks um, yeah. that are sellable. And yeah, as I said, the Xena, I mean, I've been kind of talking to the guys and we really think, you know, we should pr- probably actually do like a proper kind of publication that kind of tells our story because as I said, other than speaking to you now, we've kind of quite quite closely guarded our story or just haven't really kind of had the desire to kind yeah. of make a big song and dance about it. Um, I think it's really important, man. And I, I think even if people don't feel that in, that important within the scene, they should do it, especially with people with two decades plus. Like, yeah. I'm getting really upset. I get really upset with the amount of shit that goes out on Instagram. Mm. And we feel like we've told the story because it's a fucking photo the size of my palm with a little paragraph underneath it telling the story. It's not good enough, man. We're going to lose our culture. Yeah, and, um, it's, I mean, it's also very disposable, isn't it? I mean, you just go through, you know, you're seeing absolutely killer pieces and then yeah. they're just kind of forgotten about. Yeah, um, yeah it's too much, know, man. It's, I'm very happy to say that. So yeah, and... You know, uh, yeah, it's only kind of looking back at some of these photos that, you know, because writing a different name now, I'm sort of like, uh, you know, and sort of having attitudes about, oh, you know, you're not painting enough, so you're just bringing out a bunch of old shit, you know. Um, But actually kind of, yeah, really recognising its place and its influence that I probably didn't really realise at the time. and. And I don't look at it so critically now. Like if you know, if there's mistakes in a piece or whatever that was like 15 years ago, then so be it. It's really like you did it, and that was it. All yeah. kind of feeds into the whole kind of experience of you know what what got you to where you are now. So and the learning curve that you went through. I mean, like the, the E, for instance, the E you would have painted 10, 12 years ago compared to the E you paint now. You would yeah. see mistakes back then and then you see how you fix them now and i think yeah. just in that lineage is really important to people man I, yeah i'm i'm very much about preserving our culture and uh, i find it a shame that our culture's grown up with social media because mm. we're if we're not careful we're going to cheat ourselves out right in our own history um mm. uh, I, I don't want people in 50 years time dragging sh- low-res images off instagram to put together something you know, it scares the living daylights out of me, man. This is the fastest movement, biggest movement art form the world's ever seen. We need to respect it. Um, mm. But it's hard whilst we're in it to respect it. It's hard to see what yeah. we've got. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm doing. And partly what this podcast is about, it's what this archive is about. It's more of an archive than a podcast. And, you know, I dedicate a website to it. I put photos on that website for people to check out. Um, because I want there to be, you know, we we need an archive. We need a proper history. Like, and if I yeah. can help, I will. You know. Yeah, well, that, yeah. I think that's quite important, really. I mean, um, you know, I don't have any immediate plans to quit, but I definitely realise I'm kind of slowing down. And yeah. you know, listening to some of the other ones that you do, actually, yeah, you might kind of look at, look back at that, and you know, and really kind of get something out of it, or you know, the listeners will get something out of it, and. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard to get everyone's whole story or whatever, and they're only glimpses and like you know little segments over two or three decades, but they're important. It, it states and it puts a timestamp on certain things, and it it just states that thing happened, and that there's mm. more to to find out. Um, yeah, yeah, man, it's important, especially now. We've got you know we've seen a couple of New Yorkers go through this fucking virus thing, and undoubtedly there'll be more people go through our through this virus and. Yeah, we've got to yeah look after ourselves and get this shit written. Yeah, look after each other too. Yeah, be kind to each other and all of that. Support one another. Yeah, all of that. Well, look, yeah. man, that was wicked. Thank you again. No problem. I loved it. Yeah, I love. Yeah. Um, what to sharing? Yeah. Around. yeah, wicked. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Thanks for your time, bro. I'll be in contact. Okay. Peace. Bye. Oh shit. Hello and welcome back to the F24 podcast. My name is David and in what were normal times, I invited creatives over to my studio in North Acton to have a conversation about their lives and interactions with London, culture and creativity. But we're what, five weeks into this worldwide lockdown? The maddest time of most of our lives. And so I'm home like the rest of you, I'm sure, and decided to make this thing worldwide. I'm sat here in my garden on a Saturday morning, the sun's up. I hope you're all well and safe. I know the numbers we're seeing daily worldwide are crazy, quite overwhelming. But one thing is for sure, is that we've shown how much we can do for each other, not what they can do for us. We've stood up, we've looked out for each other and we've helped where possible. And that's love, man, that's love on a massive scale. And that's gonna do some dope stuff for us in the future, so let's keep this up. This week, well, last week, I had a conversation with New Zealand graffiti stalwart Vents from the RTR crew from Auckland. We had a dope chat. Me, kind of chatting into the future as he's 13 hours ahead, and we cover loads. What it was like where he grew up, what kind of graffiti he saw coming up, and his first feelings of notoriety when he placed his first words on a wall. We talk about his route into painting, when the right time arose and the commitment he put into it, and he tells us about some brilliant New Zealand history, the crews and paintings that were about, the names he started with, travelling, and a story about London's very own mean PFB. It was a dope chat, a real privilege. This is Summer Events RTR's Auckland Culture and Creativity Story. Check him out at sub underscore atomic on Instagram whilst you listen. That's at S-U-B underscore A-U-T-O-M-I-C whilst you listen. Enjoy. This is F24.